Hello, this is Eleanor Shanley. I'm an Irish traditional and folk singer, and you're listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Mike Hanrahan, an Irish music superstar. He's a singer, a songwriter, an author, and a musician. And listen to this. He's also a qualified chef, and he's currently studying brain health and dementia. This is truly a man for all seasons. Mike was a member of Stockton's Wing, a celebrated Irish band for 15 years. He's also performed with Ronnie Drew of the Dubliners and with Eleanor Shanley, who's been a guest on this podcast. And he's collaborated with the fabulous Bella Fleck. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musical guests, we are going to do what I call a song fest. We're going to play a handful of Mike's best works. We're going to talk about them. You'll get the backstories, and nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know that I like to feature a song of mine in each episode underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guests. And in this instance, I've chosen the song Riding the Burks, which is from my album 20, which celebrated my first 20 years of recorded music. Why did I choose this one? Well, follow this. As I said, Mike collaborated with Bella Fleck, and my band was part of the lineup, along with Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, at a festival in Pasadena, California, in the 1990s. And guess which song we open with? You got it, Riding the Burps. How about that? So Mike Hanrahan, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. I'm delighted to be here, Robert. Yes, the degrees of separation, very few really, when it comes to Bella. Bella was a great man. He is a fantastic musician. Except my brother uh, hooked up a great friendship because Bella was, was, was with Maura O'Connor. Uh, they had a relationship for a good many years, and Maura was a singer. And I I began my career in Ennis, uh, singing with Maura O'Connell. We were school friends, and our first foray into professional music was myself and Maura O'Connell in a duet called Tumbleweed. And we sang kind of Americana music. Emily uh, Harris had just come on the scene with our second album, and we had got a copy of it down in West Clare. And then I'd been writing songs as a kid. So I sang some of my songs and we sang some of Maura. Uh, Maura sang some Emmy Lou. And, and then she went to America and uh, emigrated and she hooked up with Bella and they, they lived together for years. So when we'd hang out in, in Nashville or gone through on tour, I remember we did a TV show with, with, with Bella Graveland where my, my brother was a great banjo bear. He is a great banjo bear. And himself and Bella used to do duets together. So there was a great, great connection there. For anybody that doesn't know who we're talking about, Bella Fleck 
is a banjo player extraordinaire. And what's so remarkable about him is that he covers so many different genres of music. And when I saw him, he was playing with his band, the Flectones, which is quite an outfit because just a remarkable group. But he plays, you know, folk music and he plays traditional music and he does so many different things. He's just a great musician. Yeah, he, he kind of hooked up with my, with my brother because my brother is renowned as one of the, the, the greatest Irish banjo players. And uh, he teaches, he's got a master's in music. Now he teaches, but Bella wants to find how Kieran got these triplets in, in Irish music. So if you hear, if you listen to Bella, and you listen to those triplets that he's playing, they're a direct result of the times he was with my brother. And he just continued that experimentation. And he, he tours, he comes and tours here a few times, every few years. So we, we just get to say hello, which is really nice. Is there a difference between Irish banjo playing and, you know, I'll call it US banjo playing? Oh, God, yeah. Well, there's, there's a five-string banjo. The five-string banjo is played with, with picks on the finger. And they only use three three fingers. And the tenor banjo originated in America back 100 years ago, but it's a four-string tenor banjo and it's played with a plectrum. And the tuning is different. Um, yeah, it's a different, completely different technique. But Bella was just was just locked into that triplet playing of, of Irish music. And my brother Kieran was quite, quite, he was quite the banjo player. Well, music is an international language and it's great to hear that People from two different backgrounds could get together like that. All right. You played with Stockton's Wing for quite a long time. Tell us about that experience. Well, Stockton's Wing were kind of an eclectic band. They were a young band. My brother and my cousin and a couple of his mates had got together in 77. And they were pushing the boundaries of Irish music. And I'd been singing with Maura in Tumbleweed and then in 79, their singer left. I'd been playing with, with my brother sessions uh, since we were kids. So my brother invited me to join the band, and, and, and I did. But I, I came into Stockton's Wing as a, as a songwriter and a guitar player, and they accepted my songs. So I brought a different element into the sound and the music. It was the, like the early times of, of Irish music with orig original songs. But they really embraced my songs and... And we kind of created a bit of a storm with the songs, but also with our music, because our approach was very, we, we pushed boundaries. We, we brought in different influences of music, different styles of like reggae. We brought in, we had drums and bass and keyboards and with an, an Australian guy playing a didgeridoo at one stage. And so we kind of funked up the music a little bit and um, we upset some of the purists, but but we we hit the radio at the right time, so we we hit FM radio with our songs, and that was a game changer. And it introduced us to a whole young young audience, and that young audience were some a lot of times were at school. So when they were coming out of school a year later, they were coming to our gigs, and so we we knocked down a, a rare old time for a few years back at home. We were on the hit parade. We had. As minor hit in the UK as well. And yeah, we 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 had great times. What I love about Ireland is that you know there's so many musicians that focus on traditional Irish music, and I've had several different people on the podcast from Ireland, and they talk about the tradition, the oral tradition of Irish music, and 
you know, how it, the thousands of songs, apparently, because mm. everybody keeps coming up with new songs that they find and they and they interpret in their own way with one air or a different air. And yet at the same time, you know, you're part of the rest of the world. You've got groups like U2 out there and you've got a group like Stockton's that's playing, you know, I'll call it world music almost, because mm. if you have a didgeridoo in the band, you're playing world music, whether you like it or not. Do you see, though, the different atmosphere of of what's happening in Ireland? Is it still the same? Does everybody, you know, you have different genres like that still happening? Yeah, and it's it's actually more exciting now for, I mean, it's tough for young bands now, obviously, but then it was tough for our time too, but there's a great energy in Irish music now. And I know, and it's so beautiful to hear young musicians uh, saluting Stockton's Wing for, the influence we we gave them to to kind of experiment. I I absolutely love to hear that from young musicians, and I work with quite a lot of young musicians as as much as I can, and they're coming at it with a different angle as well. They're coming out, they're, they're looking at what's before them, and they're saying, "Okay, I got to put my my slant in it, my influences." And the reason the music remains as fresh as ever is because the artists of the day are embracing their culture as it is not not like tradition is great we love tradition and some people like to hang on to tradition but in order for our culture to survive and and develop and nourish and, and flourish i think the guys have to be allowed to to bring all their influences because the world has changed so much since we were doing it 40 years ago so their influences has to show in their music and it is we've got some beautiful wonderful young musicians who are they're just energized, which is really great. And the one thing I really like about Ireland now, particularly since lockdown, because I think a lot of people went writing songs during lockdown. We have this wave after wave of young artists, songwriters coming through uh, writing songs and writing really seriously good songs. So we are really in a in a very healthy place. I I guess I listen to mainly Irish music now. I mean, when I say Irish music, I mean. Irish artists, writers, and because I just love listening to them, and, and they're they're on my they're on my headphones every day of the week, you know. So I love it. I understand. You know, the, you reminded me of something that's happening right as we speak, and that is Billy Joel had this fabulous hit probably 25, 30 years ago. We didn't start the fire, where he spoke about all of the events that took place from World War II up until probably the late. 80s or early 90s when he wrote the song. It was a fabulous song, got millions and millions of plays. There's a group now that has taken that song and added their young spin to it by taking all the things that have happened since that time and adding it into the song. So just as you were saying, it's kind of the youth movement taking the older stuff and making it their own. You know, we, I've just finished a, 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 a full month on the road with, with a friend of mine, an actor and a musician, Pat Short. And we went around to, to 20 different venues around Ireland. And we took all the old songs and we gave them to young artists, uh, young unknown artists, and they put their spin on it. And we had one amazing, they were all amazing, but there was one kid from from uh, from Dublin. She's Ghanaian Irish. And she took a, a classic Irish song called The Ragman Road, which is like, it's it's really, it's religion in music that you're not really supposed to touch it. You know, it's like, 
if you touch this song, you're you're in serious trouble. <laughs> but we gave it to her, and she she sang the first two verses of this amazing, beautiful song, and then her third verse was her rapping back to the guy who or the poet who originally wrote the song, rapping to to him, saying what it's like being black Irish in Dublin in 2023. Robert, it's just. It, it just even now I can feel the, the chills, you know, because that's what I mean by tradition carrying on and and they're going back to the source, but they're putting their own beautiful energy into it. Fantastic. All right. I want to get on to some of the other things that you do. Tell me about this whole chef thing of yours. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Well, I always like to cook. And uh, I, when I was a young guy, when I was 17 or 18, I, I became a vegetarian. So, And that didn't last long. It lasted a few years. But as I keep saying to people, I, I was vegetarian for three years and then I got cured. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, it got me interested in cooking food. And then I had been involved in, in the Irish Music Rights Organization. I was heavily involved in, in songwriters' rights. Uh, it's like the ASCAP of, of Ireland. And I was the chairman of the board for six years. And it was really heavy going. And uh, I left the board and I was just burned out from the music industry. Not the music, but the industry had burned me out. So I decided to go and do a course in an organic school, cookery course in the south of Ireland, a beautiful place. And I just fell in love with cooking and the whole and I, I spent 10 years at it. <laughs> I went down for three months to do a course and I ended up um, coming back to Dublin, running run, running some restaurants. I went back to teach. I actually was a teacher in the school for a while. All right, hold on a second. I got to ask you, what kind of food were you cooking? It was all organic food. And it was, it was, uh, it was we were using produce from the local area. I always believe in, in provenance and food. Farm to table, they call it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a great movement, that slow food movement. And I, and I bought into that. And I could take, I mean, there's some restaurant, I was in a restaurant in Dublin where we would take classic sandwiches, for instance, and, and strip them back and rebuild them into something magic. And I, I could take my influences from Mexican food or from, you know, from Korean food, and anything, and try and create this, like, this event for, for people when they're coming into as one of my bosses in the restaurant says we want theatre Mike and that's so we created I had one crazy restaurant in Dublin where all my staff they were all musicians uh, studying in college and they worked with me a part time to get themselves through college so we had this just great music vibe going on through the, through the entire room and the energy in, in that place was superb so I loved it. And I love to experiment in food and and I love to showcase the producers. Like we can grow stuff in our own house. We can grow in, in on, on your window box. And, and that's really where we should be going is going back to getting sustainable food and, and looking after our environment. And I really believe in in in, in the provenance of food and, and, and that we should respect it more. Sounds to me like you also brought to your food, to your chef, business some of the creativity you know that you have of course in your music side of you am i correct yeah i, th- I think i really believe it's one and the same i mean it's, it's interesting when I, when I when i finished it all i wrote i wrote a memoir and it was called a journey in music and food because that's my life has been a journey in music and food and and they are parallel lines in my life and and and, and when you think about robert 
we gig with our buddies. We spend two hours on stage with them. We spend so many other hours sharing bread and food together and talking and enjoying our company. So food is is so much part of the musician's life. And we all we all love to cook and we all love to talk about food and find nice things. When we go to interesting countries, have a taste of local food. So I I, I think food is is really I love it. <laughs> what I'm interested in is that line in between the music and the food, because again, you have a personality. Your personality is to be creative. You infuse the chef aspect of your life with the same kind of creativity that you do in music. That's exactly what I found when I started this podcast, because I was a musician all my life. I start this podcast and I try to bring the same level of creativity into the podcast as I do in my music. It's one and the same, yeah. in my view. And it sounds to me like you had the same thing between your food and your music. Am I right? I, I think so. And, and because we're creative people and, and you know, I mean, during, during uh, the lockdown for me, I, I, was, I actually went on Facebook every day at lunchtime for about 40 minutes and I had a, a Cooking Up a Storm uh, program where I had recipes. I was teaching people how to cook online, and then I sang, sang my songs. And I've been writing some new songs, so I was trying out my new songs as well. And and we built up this great audience all over the world, and and they were coming from crazy places every day to to log in for forty minutes. And I was getting then they were sending me recipes, and we we had just an awful lot of fun during lockdown. But and I started it because I figured people might like to learn how to make a loaf of bread or something, whatever it was. But it turned out we had we had feasts, we had different teams. Eventually we were we were we used to head off. I'd I'd imagine myself going off to uh, Italy for the weekend and <laughs> during lockdown. So we'd have an Italian uh, feast. Italian and, feast, huh? And and you're getting that back from all the people who were also creative. And there's that I think food is a very creative um, expression. See, and then when you add the internet in, like you just talked about, okay, you used Facebook and, you know, for the podcast, I put it out there and it goes all over the world. You don't decide where it's going to go. It just happens. Okay. You're going to 200 countries right now. Wow. And so when you put the creativity of the music and the cooking and the internet together, boy, it's terrific. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a it's a beautiful way to connect with people i just i love it like i just think i i've i've learned from my life that like, like life is so short and and we've all lost friends along the way and it has it becomes so valuable now to communicate with people whatever way you can and if you do that in 200 countries right now i mean how cool is that you know pretty cool Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. You know, I've been fortunate to have so many amazing guests on this podcast. Famous musicians, actors, directors, photographers, and other creatives. I've been asked many times how I get such great guests. The answer is in several ways. Some contact me directly Some come through their manager or public relations firm, and many come from referrals by my other guests. 
Well, now I want to open up the process to you, my listeners. I'm sure that some of you know a famous or interesting or accomplished person, someone who has followed their dream to success and who would make a great guest on this podcast. If you know someone like this, I'm inviting you to contact me or have them contact me. Shoot me an email at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. That's robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And tell me who you've got. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast so you get each episode when it airs. And also, you must visit our website at followyourdreampodcast.com where you can listen to all of our episodes and much more. As always, I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right. Speaking about life is short, I know one of the other things that you're into is brain health and dementia. Talk about that. That's a whole other side of your life. Yeah. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm into this as, as a creative artist because I believe the creative arts has a huge uh, intervention in, in dementia uh, care. Uh, my mum had dementia for, for eight years. And so I was up and down quite a lot to her. And, and eventually... I connected quite a lot myself and my brother Kieran. We'd play music, and that was that was a really um, it was an incredible connection. And then I wrote a song for Mum called "A River Rolls On," and I just wanted to wish her the best. She she I, I really was I had this image of her. She'd start her life on a on mountain stream, and the stream became a river, and she she nurtured everybody along the way. And, and now she was trying to find her way to her ocean to the end. And I was wishing her best to go to the ocean and it's time that she kind of found her, her spot in the ocean. And I gave it to uh, Forget-Me-Nots Choir, who are a dementia-friendly choir in Dublin. And they're, they're the most amazing group of people that I've ever I've ever worked with. They're just so beautiful. And they recorded it. And we recorded a video. And this is all during lockdown. And we were doing it in between time when we were let out for the odd day. And one of the people in the in the choir suggested that I, I apply for a fellowship at the Global Brain Health Institute, which is an interesting organization where they bring together the creative artists and they bring neurologists and uh, food economists and film directors, and they bring us all together. There's 14 of us in a room in Dublin, and there's 14 more of us in a room in San Francisco. And they teach us about dementia and the different aspects of dementia, and then they encourage us to bring our worlds back into their organization and we work together and we try to go out into the world to kind of spread the word that dementia needs, we need to talk about dementia, we need to discuss it, and we need to kind of break down the stigma that's associated with, with dementia. So my my role for the rest of my life is kind of dedicated to my mum. I really want to just break the stigma that's that's out there with with, with uh, people are afraid to talk about dementia. They shouldn't be, because just because people are, are diagnosed with dementia doesn't mean they're gone. They're actually still there. You just parts of their brain are kind of short circuited, 
but the person is still there. And I saw that with my mum right through, right to her last breath. She never left us. She just, it was a different version of her. So my job is to kind of spread the word. One way I'm going to do it is I'm going to write a book of short stories on dementia about my experiences, but they'll, they'll be all allegorical stories. They'll all be fiction set in crazy, crazy situations and um, fun situations to try and get the word out about um, for people to talk about dementia because we need to. Well, I agree with everything you just said. And this is a perfect segue into the Songfest portion of our interview because I am playing now underneath my voice a bit of A River Rolls On, which is the song that you were referring to. You roll on through sunshine and rain Around the oak and the willow you came Even the birds sing your name They're singing this song for you now Did you write that while your mother was still alive or was it after she passed? I, I wrote it when she was alive. We had, I don't know, did you have those window visits uh, in America? But we, we were restricted to uh, at, the, at the care homes, we'd be restricted to visit at a, at a window. And the, the top window would be open. You'd be trying to speak into your mum through the nurse. And poor mum couldn't understand what we were saying. And we got really frustrated. And I got so sad on that particular visit that on my way back to Dublin with my wife, I started penciling in this song about. So she was very much alive and the ironic thing about this is, and people meant, I'm not making this up. We released the song at three o'clock on the 28th of May and my mum died that night. Mm. And like, I just knew when she died in the song, my brother actually had had the song on his phone and he played it into her ear uh, just as she, she kind of, as she moved on. And I just knew then that's, that's it. My, my future is, is mapped out for me. Remarkable. All right, let's move to the second one. This is Inside I'm Dancing. I get to see why I'm not so lonely Inside I'm dancing all by myself Inside I'm dancing by myself Tell us a little bit about this one. You know, Robert, most people say they, wrote, they write songs in 25 minutes. I'm not one of those, but this particular song, I think it took me about 13 years to write it. <laughs> <laughs> I started writing this song before I became a chef. And of course, when you go in and you become a chef, when you do a 12-hour stint in a kitchen and people hop in pots and pans, the last thing you want to do is go back home and write a, a, a nice little ditty of a song. So my songwriting took it back, the back chef. And when I when I got back to the music business, the song was still hovering there. And then I decided, you know what, now is the time to, to finish it. So I did. 
And it really is about that moment in your life when 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 the light switch goes on and you're yeah, like you go through all these, we go through these really tough times during life, the emotional times and, and struggles. And at some point the light goes on and says, you know, it isn't that bad after all. And that's the point where I feel like inside I'm dancing. And that's what the song is about. It's about that moment when, you know what, we're going to get through this. Well, one of the things that I liked about it was you sent me the video and it's got little Mike Hanrahan's in the video, okay, <laughs> including one that's dancing in there. And that was pretty cool. I like that a lot. And that's another thing I learned during lockdown. I, I went online and they taught me how to, to do um, amateur uh, animation. So I had so much fun making that. It was, it was cool. It worked out. All right, we're going to go to one more. This is The Crimson Warrior. And this relates to a film of yours, right? About the Irish Cultural Revolution. Across the fields, all along the valley, oh, you of freedom, come lay me down. Sacred tree, now rest me easy. Come gather round, come lay me down. We are daughter and son. Of the Crimson Warrior Sister and brother Of the Crimson Warrior oh. Tell us about this. Well, I've, I've been really fascinated by our history of over 100 years ago. In the early 1890s, the artistic movement, the artists and uh, poets and, and musicians and writers, they kind of got together and went back looking for our culture. And they went back looking for our mythology. And there was a great drive. We, we created the Abbey Theatre in Dublin around that time. And there was a movement. And there was a great guy called Douglas Hyde, who became our first president in, in 1939. But he was behind it all. And he, he made this great speech saying that in order for Ireland to, to restore itself to one of the great countries in the world, it needs to de-anglicize itself. Because we had been, I guess we'd, we'd been in, in the empire for, for hundreds of years. So we were English in a sense, and, and, and even in, in, in the depths of our Irishness, we were living and we were paying homage to the, the English way of doing things. And his, his attitude was, we need to get back to our culture. And that's where we'll find ourselves and we'll build. And that's what happened. This great movement went on for, for over 30 years and, it, it culminated in, in the, the, the War of Independence and unfortunately the Civil War that followed. But we, we gained independence out of what began was a cultural move to get get back to know ourselves and take ourselves back. And I was fascinated by all those people. And some of the, the characters involved have influenced me greatly. There was a great poet called Eva Gore Booth. Her, her sister was Constance Markovich. And Constance Markovich was a... A revolutionary in 1916, but her sister Eva Gorbuth chose the path of of peace, and uh, she became a workers' rights fighter in in all around the UK, and then she became a, a women's sexual freedom rights. This is over a hundred years ago. Women didn't have a vote, and she was uh, advocating for for women's rights to to express themselves in their own sexuality. So she really influenced me. So I went in search of all these songs from that time. And my film is a 28-minute kind of homage to 
what I learned over a period of, of 10 years, maybe. And I wrote some songs. And this particular song I wrote with a friend of mine, Sive. And The Crimson Warrior is basically Eva Gore Booth and this amazing other warrior called Patter Clancy from my from my home county. And it's 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 just dedicated to what they that what they gave of themselves so that we might have our own identity. You know, we should be very proud of them. Fantastic. We have been speaking here with Mike Hammerhan, a true Renaissance man between music and his cooking and the work he's doing with dementia and with film. Mike, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been fantastic. Robert, I, such a joy and a real joy. I'd, I'd stay here for a week talking to you. <laughs> Nobody would listen to us after a while. That's the problem. <laughs> All right, we're going to listen now to that song of mine that started off the podcast. It's called Riding the Burks. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.